Welcome to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, your sex-positive sex therapist here. I'm an LICSW and a CST that's a certified sex therapist. I'm certified by ASECT, the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And I'm here with Vicki today, my producer. It's the Donna Hello. and Vicki Show. Hey, Vicki, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. We're going to talk about sex, aren't we? We are. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> Let's it. Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> oh, my mission. Can I say my mission, Vicki? Here. Absolutely. Great. So, you know, the mission of Sex and Couples Therapy with little old me, Donna Harris-Richards, is to help individuals, couples, and families embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, including sexual health and wellness. You know, we go for annual mammograms, gynecological exams, and prostate exams for physical sexual health, and we owe ourselves checkups on the emotional and mental aspects of sexual health for optimal health and wellness. Isn't that a nice idea? That's great. Yeah. So that's the mission here. And, um, you know, we welcome folks to write in, call in with questions, call the office, you know, anything, you know, Vicki and I were just talking before we opened up this recording floor today about how normalizing is so helpful, right? I think sometimes, you know, there are difficult conversations that don't get talked about the way that they should. And then everybody is like, oh, I'm having a hard time with this and my partner or this and my partner or this has been bothering me, but nobody talks about them and they, people think they're alone and nobody's right. alone. Everything is normal. Right. Let's talk about it. Yeah. No, that's right. That's true. Um, and today's specific topic, although we'll, we'll talk about more uh, as it comes up, is common sexual performance anxiety complaints resolved in sex and couples therapy. So we'll talk about, you know, sexual functioning and issues that come up for uh, men, women, uh, and all genders, really. Um I think here I'm sort of focused on cisgender males and cisgender females. Cisgender being uh, the the sex that you're assigned at birth, and actually now they're they're saying uh, a AFAB and AMAB, which is assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth. Those are other terms um, for cisgender, uh, and cisgender is the opposite of transgender, right? So if we're transitioning, if a cisgendered female, so assigned female at birth person, uh, is transitioning to to male, they're they're tra- a trans man or trans male, and the opposite for women. Women, like if you're assigned male at birth or cisgender male at birth, and you're transitioning to become a, a female. Uh, then you're a trans woman or, or trans female. But, uh, you know, there are, are folks who are not necessarily, um, uh, you know, identifying clearly, and that's okay. There are folks out there who are non-binary or gender queer. you know, evolving and, and um, choosing their own identity, whether it's sexual identity or gender identity, and that's all normal and it's all okay. So, um, how are you, Vicki? What's going on with you? Here we are recording in June. I think this podcast comes out... Mm, July. July. Right, I think July-ish. I think July, yeah, maybe later. Anyway, summertime of 2021. How are you now in June of 2021? I'm doing very well. I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm uh, 
traveling for the first time since COVID. I'm getting oh. on a plane. Oh. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm doing well. well. I'm excited. I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. So where everyone's safe. We're going to be, it's, we're going for a wedding. Oh, um, good. But yeah. Great. <laughs> well, don't be nervous. I just flew. I'm fully vaccinated as well. And I flew to Florida on uh, Southwest, plug for Southwest. Um, and I was very nervous, um, but I wore my mask the whole time. It was a short flight, you know, three hours or whatever, but it was fine. Everything was fine. So you'll That's be I'm fine. excited. Yeah. Summer's here in New England. The weather's been nice. So, yeah. And I had a free no drink coupon, but was told I couldn't use it. Even though I paid, I paid for, what do you call it when you upgrade a little bit? Some upgraded I paid, we paid, uh, because people have not been so well behaved on flights that they are, Mm. for the moment, not serving alcohol. Understandably. Wow. Well, they're not, uh, some folks are, are objecting to being asked to wear their mask the whole flight. You know. For the protection of the greater good. And some folks uh, have been upset and behaved, uh, you know, violently. And so they are worried. So alcohol, not serving alcohol reduces any risk. So, but you'll be fine. It's going to be fine. I'm excited for you. I'm excited too. I'm excited to see. I haven't uh, seen this part of my family for a very long time. So I'm excited. Oh, Oh, wonderful. Good. We'll have a great time. Excellent. Thank you. Good. Good. And you guys had you had a gig a couple weeks ago, your first gig, oh, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. For Nia Fest. Yes, this is a yeah. wonderful organization um, for which I'm newly on the board of directors. It's the New England Association of Family and Systemic Therapy. And you know, what is systemic therapy? So us systemic therapy therapists out there, family therapists, LMFTs, um, social workers, uh, sex therapists, and the like, believe that mood issues um, very, very often, almost all the time, uh, occur from uh, stuff that goes on around us. It's not internal, necessarily. Um, You know, we're not necessarily anxious or depressed inside of ourselves. We are part of systems, whether it's a couple system or a family system, a community system, a world system, and the things that happen affect us. So that's what systemic therapy is. It's this idea that if we can heal the systems, whether it's the couple or the family issue or the, you know, whatever goes on between people, um, we feel better. We have less anxiety and, and less depression. So anyway, NEAFAST, which is a great organization, we did a fundraiser and uh, my my husband, Ken, and I played and, you know, hopefully raised some money. And it was really great. We did like a 20, no, we did a 30 minute set all about songs about relationships. Um, and a shout out to my compadre out there, Jeremiah Gibson, LMFT and certified sex therapist, who's the head of NEAFAST. And it's just a wonderful organization. They uh, do work around networking and advocacy and education for providers, um, not only about, uh, uh, you know, some of the stuff we talk about here, but but also uh, systems regarding um, sort of racism and, you know, breaking down racism. I'm in a, an eight, uh, 18 CEU course now, which is a year-long course on anti-racism. Um, and we are all, as white therapist. So I'm a cisgender female 
uh, white Ital- northern Italian American um, <laughs> person, um, heterosexual, um, and we are talking all about who we are and where we come from and sort of peeling back the layers and understanding what it is to not be uh, fortunate necessarily to be born white, but if you are uh, born a person of color, uh, a BIPOC person, indigenous, uh, black, uh, you know, what it is to walk out your door when you uh, are, are a person of color and um, what your world is like and how you move in systems being that kind of person. So, um, or born in that way. And so the, the course is just, man, it's tough, but it's really um, excellent because we're really looking at our stuff. And, you know, when you think that you don't have stuff, you, you find out you, you still have stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it never ends. Hopefully we're always put it. <laughs> oh, we're always evolving. Right. And always hopefully getting better and better and better. Yeah. Um, and supporting, you know, my job is to support and honor everyone's experience. So, um, yeah, fast. Yeah, we did that lovely uh, fundraiser and that was fun. And uh, it can still be seen on the Nia Fast Facebook page. If anybody wants to tune in and see me and Kenny doing our little thing, uh, you can. And uh, let's see. They're Where great. We... They always sound great. I've heard them a couple of times, so oh, I highly awesome. suggest it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Vicky. That's very sweet of you. And how are your plants doing, by the way, plant lady of mine? Oh, they're all mad at me right now. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, Why? <laughs> Just the humidity shift. Oh, They're just yeah. getting reacclimated to uh, the humidity. So yeah. Well, hopefully they will um, be kind to you <laughs> in the system of your relationship with them, your little babies. I- <laughs> they'll be all right, right? They're doing okay. They'll, no? they'll be fine. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Um, okay. So should we dive in here? Let's dive on in. All right. Great. Um, Actually, I was going to start very quickly with a story. I was on on the speaking about uh, sexuality and um, gender and people's rights. People who are uh, some may consider uh, maybe more oppressed uh, if you are not necessarily, uh, you know, someone who walks through the world with um, uh, privilege in a way. Uh, I was speaking to a woman who lives in Kentucky today, this morning. She was helping me with something, a bill I was paying. And um, she was absolutely lovely. Shout out to Jennifer. Uh, I won't say her last name, but what a doll and very bright and really helpful. Uh, mother of three sons. And she told me living in Kentucky that in February this last year, when she gave birth to her baby and wanted to have a tubal ligation afterwards, she was told by the medical staff that she needed to have her partner, her male partner, come and sign off on her tubal ligation. And her partner was out of the country and they would not do the procedure until she called her male attorney to come in Mm. and sign permission to perform a procedure on her body. That's ab- that's absolutely. I, oh, that makes me so mad. Doesn't it? It makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah. So I see Vicky. Your eyes are rolling. <laughs> I know my blood right now is boiling in my hands and in my head. I can feel it. So she did what she had to do. Uh, she had the attorney come, and um, we talked about, you know, how we continue to fight to have the ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, ratified in the 16, I think it's 16, maybe it's 17 states still 
mostly in the South. Kentucky is one. So interestingly, the ERA was ratified in Kentucky in 1972, right? The ERA was, a, was an act that was a, sort of a federal act, but it didn't, you know, get enacted in each state until each state voted for the ERA. Um, our state here, Massachusetts, is it's ratified. Women have as many rights as men. You know, we don't have to drag our boyfriends, their husbands into the store to get a department store credit card or have anything done to our bodies. But in the, some of these states, and Kentucky is one, you still need permission <clears throat> from male person, a cisgender assigned male at birth person. Um, anyway, I digress. So, yeah, I'm mad. So we talked about, you know, voting um, and how important it is to vote for folks who in your state will help everyone uh, have equal opportunity. Uh, and this is part of sex therapy. This is part of sex and, and couples and family therapy. You know, when couples are coming in and I'm speaking to them about, you know, if they're asking me and they want to talk about their families and their children. I mean, this young woman on the phone said, I'm really glad that I had three sons because if I had a daughter, I would just have extra stress and worry about her as a female living in Kentucky. That's just... So... Yeah, I just want to put that out there, folks, that this is part of the, the conversation and the difficult conversation that we have here on the podcast that is upsetting. But um, problems are also opportunities, and the opportunity well, like, is, did, is to vote. The, yeah. the high school valedictorian, did you see that? I think she's in Texas. She's a high school valedictorian, and she swapped out her speech at the last second. She had an approved speech from oh, the yes. school, yes. and then she swapped it out to talk about abortion rights. And I was like, go, yes. you Yes. Good job. Go for it. You yeah. use your platform. You talk yeah. about what you can. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous. Go, girl. And, you know, Jennifer's story in Kentucky speaks to, and actually my husband said this to me and made me think of this, it's not just about abortion. If you want to have your tubes tied when you're done having three children, you still need permission. So it's about any uh, sexual health issue, reproductive health issue pertaining to women, that women still in 16 states in this country don't have the right to do what they want with their bodies unless a man steps in the room and says, okay. How do you feel about that, women out there listening? How do you feel about that, men out there listening? Imagine if it was flipped. Imagine if, like, for a male to be approved to get viagra his wife had to say sure yeah he can do it do you know how like that <gasps> oh that's a good the one uproar, the uproar that would happen why does my what it's my does no can you mm. <laughs> this just makes me so angry don't get <laughs> her started so folks <laughs> Oh, boy. Mm. I know. Mm -mm. I know. So I just wanted to start out with that today because it's so fresh. And I just had this call not even two hours ago with this <laughs> lovely young woman. Uh, and I said to her, look, you're so bright. You could do anything. She was so kind not and a client, so by the sweet. Way. This, not person, a client. this person is not a client. <laughs> no, no. She helped me with a bill that I was paying. And somehow, oh, I know what it was. It, the reason that it came up is because on there I had to sign where it said head of household, and the person who was listed as head of household was my husband. And this comes up all the time that he's listed. And I'm not, this is, I mean, whatever, it is what it is. I think we have to maybe <laughs> speak to our accountant if we want to have that changed as who's listed as head of household. So that, I'm not blaming the company for that, but that's how the conversation started about, 
you know, uh, she said to me, you know, women are really the ones who call in. Um, this was actually regarding health insurance. She worked for a, my health insurance company. And she said, women are the ones calling in all the time. And ironically, they're always asking the signature to be for the male husband head of household in, in heterosexual relationships, obviously. Yeah. I mean, if it's a same sex relationship, it, um, if, and if it was, you know, two women, for example, or two men, it, it wouldn't be the same issue. But, you know, that's how we got on to the whole conversation that we had. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Think about that, folks. Please <laughs> vote every two years in your elections and vote every four years, you know, uh, for folks who really have our best interest at heart, if you really want. Do your research. Equal, equal rights. <laughs> yeah, do do the research. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And listen, call us. We'll We'll give you some good advice. Feel free. Call yeah, in. Say, hey, absolutely. what do you think about these candidates? And we'll tell you. <laughs> right? Write in. Call in. Can't walk in, Talk about whatever you want to talk we're... about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not taking walk-ins, but, you know, maybe someday again. All right. So we digress. Let's talk about sexual performance anxiety, right? Let's go for it. Uh, from men, I hear uh, uh, complaints about erectile dysfunction or ED. Um, I hear about PE, premature ejaculation. I call it EE, early ejaculation. Um, and we could talk about that. What's what's too early? What's too late? <laughs> right. That's sort of, you know, up to the individual but or the couple. Uh, DE, delayed ejaculation and male hypoactive desire disorder, they call it. Um, for, for women, I hear complaints around uh, low desire or female low sexual interest, arousal, desire, disorder, they call it in the DSM. Of course, you and I, Vicki, we talk about how to normalize this. It's called a disorder in the DSM if folks want to have that paid for by insurance. You know, we have to give it a label. But again, it definitely exists along the continuum spectrum of what is normal. Okay. Uh, also hearing from women about female uh, orgasm disorders like anorgasmia or pre-orgasmia, meaning they haven't orgasmed yet. Then um, you know, you could be older, you could be in your 30s or 40s and not had an orgasm. And then we sort of work through that and help with that. And that's okay. Again, normal. Um, and then there is genitopelvic pain or um, penetration disorder. They call it vaginismus, dyspareunia. Um, so, so what do we do? Um, you know, the first thing I do for men is I uh, may, not always, uh, refer them to a urologist. Um, you know, they, they want to have everything ruled out that's a physiological medical issue. Um, and for women, I would uh, refer them sometimes, not always, to a pelvic floor specialist or a vulvar pain specialist uh, if they're having sort of penetrative pain, like with, you know, penis and vagina sex like that. Um, so for uh, PE and all sort of... Um, anxiety-based complaints, you know, once they go to the doctor and come back and say, you know, here's what the doc said and everything's ruled out and whatever, they're doing their medical piece. Then when they come back to me, one of the things that I recommend to folks or work with them on is something called sensate focus, which is very effective um, for reducing anxiety and reducing pain. Because when, we're, when we have anxiety and tension, usually that leads to physical pain. So let's say folks uh, have low desire, but they're saying, look, there's nothing wrong with our sex when we're actually having sex or intimacy. It's just that I don't want it a lot. Well, let's normalize that, right? You know, if you're in a relationship for more than 
two or three years, then, um, and you're not maybe planning on having any more children, or that's not the focus at the moment, then intercourse may not be that interesting to you. And everything else is sort of in the forefront and maybe intimacy or intercourse is in the background because, you know, what, what's more important for folks, you know, getting to work, paying the bills, raising the family, buying the house, you know, all that stuff. Right. So even, even still sensate focus for folks can be helpful if they want to go from good or satisfactory sex to magnificent sex. And this is a Peggy uh, Kleinplatz idea. Uh, magnificent sex. Her book is wonderful. It's called Magnificent Sex. Um, so for couples who are older and they've been in their marriages 20, 30, 40 years or more, they can still have better and better sex all the time. And this is where we overlap talking about those four domains about, you know, our emotional lives, our spiritual lives, our our mental experience, our existential experience, as well as what's physical and biological, right? Um, and it's, so it's a, just a beautiful, huge lovely field of study that's really interesting. Um, so getting back to what we were talking about before with some of the what f- folks complain about, um, you know, for erectile dysfunction, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, medications and vasodilators. So they might go to the doctor and the doctor might say, uh, well, you have low testosterone or maybe uh, your blood pressure needs attending to, so they might prescribe blood pressure medication. Now, blood pressure medication can affect uh, erections. So um, they may prescribe blood pressure meds, but and also Viagra. <laughs> so we've got two things going on, right? And these are powerful drugs, vasodilators or, or Viagra, Cialis, you know, they're, they're powerful drugs and they're effective for sure. Um, but they're what uh, sex therapists think about as a temporary fix, and they don't cure erectile dysfunction. Um, but they, they do help. Um, there is actually some some information out there now that I've been hearing about from some of my colleagues around, even for men who are younger, like in their 20s, to help them with confidence and competence around sexuality and getting erections, they are actually prescribing very small doses of vasodilators, like a Viagra, a Cialis, but like a like a 20% of the pill or a one-fifth dose, because uh, you don't necessarily need the whole pill but sometimes a little bit can help the blood flow, right? So you might have anxiety. We can talk about sensate focus and all that, but still if the blood isn't flowing well, and so now worry is building on top of the performance, right? So you have the thing that happens, which is, ah, you're nervous and you're not getting the erection. And now you're worried next time that you're not going to get the erection again. And you've got this, these layers of worries building into anxiety you know, a little bit of the, of the Viagra can actually be helpful. Um, your brain's just working against itself. Nothing's working the way it should because you're worried about being worried. And it's just, yes, you know. <laughs> Exa- yeah, double trouble thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right, exactly. So that that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, as we've said before, Vicki, you remember this, that, you know, shout out to Dr. Ruth from way back when for us older folks. She said your brain is the most valuable sex organ. And we're going to talk about why today. And and we've already touched on it, which is this thing about, you know, not only is this physiological sometimes, but it's also certainly mental, emotional, spiritual. Uh, there is a role for women to play in heterosexual relationships, for example. Um, if it's a man having erectile issues or any kind of sexual function issues, his partner plays a very important part, too, by not putting pressure, 
by being um, easy about it, right? By saying, look, it's okay. I mean, we're not necessarily having sex here to make a baby. Let's just enjoy it. You know, whatever feels good. Pleasure is the name of the game, right? We want sex to be pleasure-oriented, not goal-oriented. And that's a big piece of this um, when people come to me to help people begin to think about sexual intimacy differently. Right? Makes sense? Okay. So uh, here's some statistics regarding sexual health if folks are interested. Over half of men between 40 and 70 years old are affected by ED. Over half, 52% of men. And this is according to data from the Massachusetts Male Aging Study. Amazing, right? It's a lot. It's wild. It's but a lot. It, for guys who are 40, 41 um, and wondering, gee, why am I having issues around my erections, whether it's getting it, maintaining it, like that, um, just know that you're in really good company with a lot of your compadres out there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, of course, we can also talk about how to really optimally um, increase your health, overall health, what you're eating and activity and all that stuff is really important. Uh, we'll talk about the size of the waistline, you know, the, the, the smaller the waistline, you know, the more likely you are to have more optimal health, sexual health. Um, okay. So next little data stat I have here is that up to 18.4% of men in the U S who are 20 years of age or older have ED. Um, and that's according to NAHANES, which is the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey in 2001-2002. Well, that's a little bit old now, but interestingly that over 18% of men 20 years old or older have had ED or have ED. So um, although ED, just so you know, is not an inevitable consequence of aging, there is a positive correlation with age, as you just heard. I mean, if you're over 40, there's much more likelihood that you're going to have issues around ED. Um, the prevalence of 5.1% in 20 to 39-year-old men increases to 70% in men who are 70 years or older. So uh, if you're if you're 20 to 39, there's a 5% prevalence um, of ED, but that goes way up as men get older, but it's not always directly correlated because uh, there are plenty of older guys, especially that I see who are 70 or older who are in great shape. You know, they're runners or they're really active, they're, their weight is good, all that. And they still have, you know, issues because aging can be connected. Um, so because of the etiology of erectile dysfunction because it often involves a combination of vascular issues, so your vein, blood flow, neurological, brain function stuff, endocrinology, and yeah, say that three times fast, <laughs> endocrinological, so your endocrine system, right, thyroid, all that stuff, and psychological factors. That's why the condition is not limited to just older men. There's a lot going on, and we want to kind of tease it all apart, if you will, pull it apart and see what's happening and just kind of get in there and try to help with that um, as quickly as we can. You know, sex therapy can be as short as five sessions. It could be super brief, five to 12 sessions. Um, couples therapy, which is covering all the other slices of the pizza pie in a coupling uh, or in a relationship can be up to 16 sessions. But intimacy, sex therapy can be very brief. Um, okay, so other risk factors are... Things like cardiovascular disease, hypertension, this is all related to ED. Again, let me say it again. Cardiovascular disease can affect erectile 
function. Uh, hypertension can affect it, diabetes, high cholesterol, hyper hypercholesterolemia. How do you like that? <laughs> Such <laughs> big words today. Ooh, Such big words. <laughs> too big. How about high cholesterol? That's better. And smoking are strongly associated with increased prevalence of ED. So guys out there, you know, please... Um, you know, smoking and diet and activity. If we pay attention to that, things really do get better. Um, okay, so physical causes and high risk factors for ED, again, heart disease, uh, clogged blood vessels, atherosclerosis, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity. Um, there's something called metabolic syndrome. Folks might know about it. That's a condition involving increased blood pressure, high insulin levels, body fat around the waistline and high cholesterol. So beware. Um, you know, you can easily do a BMI online, a smart S actually, I like the SBMI, the smart BMI. Have you ever seen that? Vicky? Yeah. You're too young. I'm into it. The, B- the BMIs always tell me I'm overweight, so I don't <laughs> No. Oh no, no, no. You look great. Oh, hey, Look you know, at the look tall. at the, Well, you're tall, but look at the SBMI, the Smart BMI calculator. It's much more forgiving. Mm. I love looking at that. It always tells me you don't need to lose weight. You're fine. I go okay. I feel good. <laughs> I'll take I'm a not. look at it. Yeah, SBMI. Um, but still, you know, if you've if you've got sort of weight on your waist um, or you're overweight, you know, it'll tell you, and it'll tell you, you know, if it thinks that for optimal health, including sexual health, sometimes losing weight or getting that waistline down is so helpful. Um, you know, what the first thing I learned in sex therapy school or or uh, sex studying sexology was how can you tell the health of a man is can he get an erection? So that means blood is flowing. That means there's mm. very little plaque or less plaque than if there's more plaque, that's going to inhibit blood flow, increase blood pressure. And guys, you know, you don't want to have strokes, right? You don't want to have heart attacks. So it, it, there's so many ways to cook great, delicious food and get active and walk um, just to increase health. Um so let's see, Parkinson's disease, that can affect erectile function. Uh, MS is another condition that can, erect, that can affect it. Uh, certain prescription medications can affect it, tobacco use. Um, there's something called Peyronie's disease, which is the development of scar tissue inside the penis. You want to have your doctor rule that out as well. Uh, that can be hmm. a thing. Uh, alcoholism and other forms of substance abuse can, you know, o- overuse of alcohol. You know, some alcohol in... Um, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, with, you know, one or two, one drink a day for a woman, two drinks a day for a man, you know, if you don't have a problem with alcohol it can be healthy, but if you have a problem with alcohol that can affect erections, uh, sleep disorders, a good night's sleep is very important to be able to have good sexual health. Um, seven to nine hours, they recommend that. And that often means, you know, getting enough activity. So you're tired enough to get to sleep at night. Right. Um, and so, not using your phone right before you go to sleep. That's bad for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the light in the phone that uh, that wakes us up. So, yeah, that's that's not good. I will say I'm, I, I maybe this is weird to people. Maybe it's not. Um, I, I am a TV watcher before bed. Um, mm. I, it actually helps me fall asleep when I watch these lovely science shows or shows about the universe. Like before I know it, I have one eye closed and I'm asleep. <laughs> so I don't think TV necessarily, not for me anyway, affects my ability to get to sleep, but I definitely, yeah, I don't look at the phone because I don't, I don't want to have a problem. 
other other things that affect erectile function or dysfunction are certain medical treatments for prostate cancer or enlarged prostate. And I talk about that with my clients. What are some of the resolutions for that? Um, there are, you know, implants, there are pumps. Um, there are things that, that men can do to, to help them have a good, satisfying sex life. I've had clients who say, look, I don't care really so much for myself about getting the erection, but I want my partner, especially if it's a female partner, I want her to enjoy, you know, intercourse or intimacy. Um, and that's why they, they might come in to talk about how they can move forward for a better outcome. Uh, other things that affect erectile function dysfunction are, um, again, like we said before, low testosterone, tobacco use, injuries that have damaged nerves or arteries that control erections, that, that can be a thing. And again, this is for you, like your doctor, really to be ruling out. I mean, I can talk about it with people and suggest it, but I'm not the one diagnosing it. That's not my area of expertise because uh, I'm not treating that medical stuff. I'm treating the emotional stuff, the... Uh, the the anxiety piece, the mental piece, the spiritual piece, all that. Um, other medications that can affect uh, functioning, sexual function, antidepressants, uh, antihistamines, and medications to treat high blood pressure, as we talked about before, pain, prostate conditions, um, psychological conditions like stress, anxiety, or depression. That's more my area where I can be helpful. Again, drug and alcohol use, especially if you're a long-term uh, user of drugs or, or alcohol. Uh, psychological causes of ED. Um, so the brain plays a key role in triggering the series of physical events that cause an erection, starting with feelings of sexual excitement, right? Arousal. Um, a number of things can interfere with sexual feelings and cause or worsen ED, erectile dysfunction. And these include depression, anxiety, other mental health conditions, trauma, you know, experiences of trauma. And one of the things I want to say to folks who've had trauma or sexual trauma right here and now is you are not your trauma. You know, that happened, and that is uh, something that I, I so wish people didn't have to go through, but um, they do. Uh, lots of people do. And so uh, I want them to sort of, again, tease out or pull apart that happened, and now let's talk about how to move forward from that. You know, how did that strengthen you in a way? Um, I think it's important. I think all of these things are so important to talk about. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, the things that a doctor needs to diagnose, mm. you know, to, to say, but bringing this to your doctor and talking to them is so important to rule out all of those things that you have no or little control over that might be affecting something within your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have something like low T or, you know, you have a multiple sclerosis or, or something yeah. within you that is, is a, a physical, you know, medical issue. Sure. It's important to know that and be able to rule that out so that when you start to see a sex therapist and you can move past those to talk about the other blockers and it's not, um, yeah. ignoring, you know, yes. like those medical issues that might actually be your blocker, you know, or yeah. just saying, Oh, it's just in your head. It might not be. And yeah. I think it's just so important, yeah. you know? Right. And, you know, as you're saying that, it occurs to me, I'm also speaking, I hope there are some doctors or nurses listening out there or even pelvic floor specialists or urologists out there because we are a system. You know, folks like myself and them who are providers want to be educating our patients, our clients uh, for them to know more, to be more informed patients and clients Um so please, guys, you know, docs and, and specialists and providers, you know, I love it when they say, yes, OK, I'm going to do the pelvic floor work with you. But why don't you call a certified sex therapist? 
why don't you call a sexologist, you know, an ASEC certified sex therapist or someone who has a specialty in sexual health so they can help the other piece of what's going on, how you're thinking about this. Because if we have trauma, right, or we have a bad experience, I have clients who come in and say, we were having great sex, but suddenly our sex one day, we had very painful intercourse. The sex got a little rough and it caused me a lot of pain. And now I'm freaked out and worried about having intercourse again. So we want to, that's where Sensei Focus can help. It can slow things down. And even if they don't do Sensei Focus, just thinking about uh, how you, they can go at their intimacy in a different way. Um, you know, this one person I'm thinking of who I'm working with now, she's working with a pelvic floor specialist, but with me too. And together they are working through this, thinking about intimacy differently, the sex itself differently, that yes, that happened and that was painful. Um, and it brought off stuff from her earlier experience, family of origin stuff, a little, maybe a little bit of trauma, et cetera. But um, now we go forward from here, right? You are not your trauma. You are a whole resilient human being in relationship with another whole resilient human being. And we can resolve this by just sort of looking at all the parts. And you're not alone. Uh, it's just that folks don't talk about this. So I want all the providers to be educating our clients and patients and talking about it by normalizing it. Um, so other psychological causes of ED besides depression, anxiety, mental health conditions, stress are relationship problems due to stress, poor communication and other concerns. This is big. So when people come in, a lot of folks come in and they are saying, we want better communication. This makes for better sex. Yay! Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> and better sex makes for better communication. Because if you're talking during your sex, if you're open, if you're sort of, uh, you know, letting go, uh, it's everything's just going to be better. You know? It's just, and I think it's just something that people just don't like doing. Maybe you feel awkward or, or maybe, you know, you don't want to upset the other person while you're in the middle of it, but like you guys should, you and your partner should both be enjoying the experience. And if you're not, then that's just going to yeah. add on to the, the negativity right. in your brain or, you know, the worry in your brain or, sure. or the annoyance, like, Oh, are they going to do this right this time or whatever? But if, if you don't tell them you want something done a different way, how do they know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And actually, that reminds me that do, people do come in with a mindset that sex is for my partner. My job is to pleasure my partner, not myself. Mm. So this is where a sensei focus can also be helpful, because what is it? It's this idea. Well, it's not an idea. Sensei focus is an activity. It's homework that folks take home where they notice the thoughts in their mind and they bring themselves back to their body, but their own body and their own pleasure experience of intimacy with their partner. So it's it's um, rewriting the narrative of what intimacy is. That intimacy ought to be, I don't want to use the word should, right? Because should gets us in trouble. <laughs> but the best intimacy is about our own pleasure while our partners are having pleasure. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. Playfulness, pleasure, passion, right? This is the first words you see on my website. Play, play passion, pleasure. I mean, we want to rewrite that story that people have in their minds about sex is for my partner. Um, so complications resulting from ED can include... You know, so first we talked about sort of the, the 
the A part, like the, antece the antecedent part about what's going on, right? Um, and then the complications from that, uh, the C part, so the ante ABC, antecedent is what we, all that stuff we just talked about that could be going on, medical factors, et cetera. Um, and then the B part is the behavior, right? So people get in there with their partner and they're like, uh-oh, this isn't going well. And then the C part are the complications, we might say, from all of that, from the ED and what's going on, results in an unsatisfactory sex life, number one, more stress or anxiety, low mood, number two, three, embarrassment, shame, low self-esteem, uh, four, problems in the relationship, and five, sometimes the in inability to get your partner pregnant. I do get calls from men who say, look, we want to have a baby and I can't mm -hmm. get the erection or maintain the erection and we're not yet ready for... Uh, going to, um, you know, going to the doctor for uh, in vitro, in vitro fertilization. Thank you. Mm. Um, I'm 60. You know, I have word <laughs> word finding issues. Thank you, Vicky. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not ready for in vitro IVF. Um, and so I'd like to see if I can have the erection and maintain it to get pregnant without having to go through all that first. So those are the complications. Okay, so that's men, um, cisgender men, um, and um, also, you know, transgender men, we can talk about these issues as well um, in terms of getting erections. Um, and for, you know, women, um, cisgender and transgender women, um, we have issues around orgasm, right? So um, some of the stuff we talked about before that are sexual function issues for women are they're pre-orgasmic. So maybe they haven't had an orgasm yet, um, you know, uh, they, or maybe they're having pain. This is a big one. Um, who wants to have, who wants to do anything if it's painful? Nobody I know. <laughs> mm -mm. I mean, you know, sometimes we, we say, all right, well, it's painful, but I still have to do it. Right. I have to, all right, that shot, that vaccine is going to be painful, but you know, I still have to do it right for something better. Uh, so we have to weigh it out, but you know, if it's painful or, or it's not pleasurable, the intimacy experience, then people shy away from it. Um, so whether it's vaginismus or dysarumia, dysarumia, sorry, dyspareunia, vaginismus or dyspareunia or pain on penetration, uh, we could talk about ways to increase pleasure. Um, and some of those ways are vibrators or toys, um, you know, uh, pleasurable penetrative toys. Um, we talk about focus of pleasure-oriented intimacy versus goal-oriented intimacy. And then there are also really important conversations that I have with women and couples around the context of sex, right? So I notice women will often withdraw when we're talking about just sex and planning sex. You know, they're like, oh God, yeah, yeah. it's the last thing on my mind. So we want to be talking about romance, right? We want to be talking about what's going on in the morning when you wake up. If you want your partner to bring you coffee in bed, you know, partner, bring the coffee in bed, right? So she feels good. Um, if there's an issue around division of labor in the home and she's carrying resentments, resentments let's talk about that. Um, being desired, you know, women need to feel desired by their partner. They need to feel that their lives are fair. Um, you know, for women, oftentimes sex is an aspect of love and giving love. And that's where we get into a problem in thinking where women often think that sex is for their partner. And I want to rework that story that they tell themselves. I want them to realize that it's good for them. It's good for their health, right? Uh, now, how? 
Let's talk about that. Do we have a minute or are we out of time? We have like a couple minutes and then, oh. and then, yeah. Okay. So I want people to listen to part two. So let me say this, becoming more sexual is good for your health. How? It keeps your immune system humming. Sexually active people take fewer sick days. We know this. This is in the literature. Um, it boosts your libido. The more you have sex, the more you want sex. And it doesn't have to be intercourse. It's just partner connection in whatever way feels good. It improves women's bladder control because they have a strong pelvic floor to avoid incontinence. Right? I don't like incontinence. Do you? Interesting. No. Yeah. Um, it lowers blood pressure. It counts as exercise. It lowers the risk of heart attack. I have big heart uh, problems in my family. So I'm very interested in lowering my risk of heart attack. So it's a great way to raise your uh, heart rate is to have sex. It keeps your estrogen and for men, testosterone uh, levels in, in balance. Well, for men and women, estrogen and testosterone. Um, number seven, it lessens pain. So before reaching for an aspirin, try having an orgasm. I promise it'll get you to sleep. It'll lessen your pain. It can, orgasm can block pain, releasing a hormone that helps raise your pain threshold. Um, stimulation without orgasm can also do the trick, blocking chronic pain, leg pain. So just because you don't have an orgasm doesn't mean you won't have, uh, you won't block the pain. You still got all that stuff going on. It gets the blood flowing. It gets blood everything flowing. Moving. It gets nitric oxide flowing, which is in the blood, which is very important. Um, it reduces leg pain, menstrual cramps, arthritis pain, in some cases, even headache. Um, it may make prostate cancer less likely. Men who ejaculated frequently, I think I've said this before, at least 21 times a month, guys. Uh, this is published in the Journal of American Medical Association, Journal of American Medicine. Um, they have less likelihood of prostate cancer. Uh, it improves sleep. We just talked about this. You'll nod off more quickly after sex. And it eases stress being close to your partner. It can soothe stress and anxiety. All the studies out there on relationships show that for women, it's better. For men, it's better in reducing stress. Uh, it boosts self-esteem and happiness. You know, we have stats on this stuff. Um, so next time we're going to talk um, more about how sex therapists help shift the goal from performance-oriented or goal-oriented sex to pleasure-based sex from foreplay to just play. You know, Ooh, we're going to talk about kiss. Too. We're going to talk about kissing, oral, anal, erotic massage, toys, uh, forbidden talk, fantasy, hugging, going on vacations, get a hotel. You know, by the time my clients are getting some good stuff from me, I'm saying, don't come to me anymore. Take that money and go to a hotel <laughs> and enjoy yourself. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I know we're out of time. So stay tuned. Oops. Stay tuned for part two. And uh, we're good, Vicky. Should we, we say are. goodbye? All right, we're going to yeah, say goodbye. I think we should. We'll see you next time for part two. So remember that um, you can call the office if you're interested. Uh, you can find, first of all, feel free to look up my website to get a sense of our podcasts and everything that we can bring to help you at www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. That's S-E-X-A-N-D, couples with an S, therapy.com. You can call the office at 508-990-9909. You can find us on Instagram at The Happy Ending Therapist and on Facebook at The Sex and Couples Therapist. And remember, please always make Make time for pleasure, play, and passion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Vicki. Thanks, Justin, in the back. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.